When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, what's going on? I'm Rob Sesternino, back with you to talk about The Amazing Race 34, episode number four. It was the business end of the mega leg, and here to talk about it with us all. Of course, a woman who has uh, been a veteran of many mega legs over the years. Jessica Lees, Jess, how are you? Uh, Mega great, Rob. Yes, okay. And Jess, uh, Mike was supposed to be here with us. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, he's just uh, getting here now. Oh, it's Mike Bloom. Uh, Mike, for the podcast listeners, uh, is modeling right now, leaning on his experience as a uh, fashion model. It's Michael. giving ugliness. <laughs> If there's going to be a quiz on this later, I'm just letting you know right now, I'm going to bring soup. I'm not going to take the quiz. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was going to say, I have an eye for fashion, but it's currently bleeding looking at the garish display. And the chiseled body. Oh, could this be the memory challenge for our podcast listeners by the end of the season? It's the outfits that I've been wearing throughout this entire time. Yes. Yes. Okay. So there'll be a quiz for everybody. And then at the end, we'll be able to determine uh, who knew the most about uh, the mole. Oh, that's a different, oh, that's a different quiz. Well, okay. listen, there was there was a lot of self sabotage happening in this leg in particular, and uh, it did give me some mole vibes when they used to go to Italy. I think back when what it was, just season two, maybe was when they went back to Italy. So mm-hmm. yeah, lots of lots of similar vibes happening right now. Okay, all right. Well, we'll talk about it all as uh, we saw. I am devastated. Dom and Rich, who were bringing so much to the season, they are 
out. I was really hoping that they were going to be able to sneak in past uh, Linton and Sharik, who were having a moment for sure. And we'll see if they are able to bounce back Uh, as a parent. uh, I can relate to uh, like, okay, sometimes, you know, somebody just needs to uh, go to bed and maybe wake up and have a new day. So maybe that will be the case uh, with Lytton and Shariq. Uh, But in the meantime, it is Dom and Rich who are out on the amazing race. Uh, I will get to speak with them later on today. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Jess, Four episodes of Dom and Rich. It was not enough. Uh, what was your takeaway on uh, this uh, amazing duo? I mean, they came in at an 11 and they stayed at an 11 the whole time. Like when they were happy, they were super happy. When they were not happy, they were super unhappy. This is, I, I mean, we were talking before we got on the podcast that there's so much about this season that feels like the throwback to the classic of seasons of Amazing Race. And this is a team we definitely would have seen on like a season four or season five of the of the series where, you know, we know they're here to bring extreme emotions mm-hmm. and they brought those emotions. And I don't think I don't think I'm surprised, like having seen them in action. I'm not surprised that they're going out at this point, but it is very disappointing because they were excellent television. Yeah. Make no mistake. Uh, they were not very good at the amazing race. Okay. Uh, but in terms of what I'm looking for in my amazing race teams, uh, they were incredible television, Mike Dom and rich for all stars. Oh, wow. I mean, I would definitely say uh, Dom and rich for like, if we do another unfinished business, second chances yes. style. I'm definitely all for that. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I think we even talked about this in the preseason that I just think their particular set of skills may not vibe, uh, even though they're all about vibes with the general tenor of the Amazing Race. But you never know. There always seems to be that, like, one team that somehow bumble Fs their way, for lack of a better term, into late game. Mm-hmm. Dan Drew from season 13 is one that I'm thinking of, uh, like Chuck and Winona from one of the, from like season 22. You could even argue someone like Caitlin and Haley from a couple seasons ago, like being able to make their way into the later game where you're like, oh, wow, how are they still able to get there? And so Richard Dom certainly had that chance. And, you know, I was particularly stunned when we had that shot of them rifling yes. through the big old sketchbook and here comes Lyndon and Shariq dropping off the stuff uh because i thought for a second okay this is going to be very obvious that dom dark per- yeah. yeah dom's sculpting performance the sun is down and so were their chances of, of surviving at this point but it really did show that like it was at least in that moment i'll be intrigued to ask uh dom and, and rich about this surprisingly close mm-hmm. uh despite the fact that it seemed like they were pretty much down and out from the time that that second roadblock happened as the very first task of the episode. Yeah, I really did like uh, this episode. I think I preferred it to the first half of the mega leg. I thought that this was an episode that did a lot of work where um, in the first couple episodes, you know, we spent a lot of time with a couple of the teams that had been successful in uh, Claire and Derek X and Glenda and Lamumba. And there were a lot of teams that we were really like, uh, I don't know her. We don't know who these teams are. I thought we did a better job of spending some time with the teams that we have not spent as much time with to sort of like uh, flesh out the rest of the cast to some degree. Jess, did you think that uh, did you get that also from this episode? Did you know there's a guy named Luis on this cast (laughs) and that he's very funny? Yeah. Because where did he come from? Was he even on the first couple of legs? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he comes in like big energy. Yeah. And 
perhaps uh, replacing the space that Dom in particular left, uh, which makes me excited. I mean, look, it's progress, right? I'm I'm still saying Aubrey, David, who, Abby mm-hmm. and Will, who, but at least now we're starting to like, you know, push some things forward with uh, getting to know some more teams. And Rich and Dom, as I just mentioned, also certainly leave a large space. I wonder if the editing was so focused on people like your Rex Ryans on your Doms because they knew they were going early or because they were big characters, perhaps both. Uh, But I think losing them were definitely big hits in terms of like the entertainment perspective of things. But I'm hopeful to that point of the Luis stuff now that I think had a very fun episode that hopefully other teams will be able to fill in that void. Yep. Another big uh, storyline that is developing the rivalry between Marcus and Michael and Emily and Molly. We call it the sibling rivalry, sibling rivalry, brothers versus sisters. Oh, I love that ABC show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. Who will come out on top? Jess, that Emily and Molly, I believe a a team you drafted uh, has been suddenly uh, one of the strongest teams in the race. There's nothing you can throw at them that they're not good at. And who could have guessed that? We were all very low on Emily and Molly coming into the season. And it is the best possible kind of surprise yeah. that they turn out to be amazing at said amazing race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. Well, the reason why, uh, you know, they basically were left undrafted is I think because when you come into the amazing race, especially 34 seasons in, right? Like there are boxes that you check off, unlike a survivor or a big brother in which sometimes your success is based on the people you're competing with. The amazing race tends to be so self-sufficient that it's like, okay, if you're good in international travel, if you're relatively physically strong, if you have a good dynamic, essentially like the reasons why Marcus and Michael uh, worked out as a good team on paper. Emily and Molly didn't necessarily have that. They barely knew each other. It did not seem like there was a lot of physicality to them. And so I think, it's understandable why we were fairly low on their chances to Jess's point. I I love being wrong. I love being surprised. And this is one of the biggest surprises I can think of in recent memory. They're the freaking terminators, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only because of their ability to eviscerate tasks, but I think because of just like their general low key quality about it as well. Like they have such a, almost like a DGAF attitude just because I think they are a bit more calm and composed compared to some of the other teams that are like, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, we'll be able to pass them. Don't worry about it. And mm-hmm. I kind of love, again, I talked about Brian and Cynthia last week, that uh, if we talk about energy in comparison to people like Dom and Luis, that discrepancy that also is paired with just blazing through these tasks so far. We had somebody like this on Amazing Race Canada this past season, actually. Mm. And, um, you know, it's Dan Heaton's favorite kind of team is mm-hmm. the ones that that come in at about a three and stay at a three, but are tens at the tasks. But that guy was an Olympic athlete. So we knew he was going to be good at the tasks. Mm -hmm. So to come in with that, with that sort of laissez faire attitude, and then also not be the team you expect to be great at everything. It's like all of my favorite things in one team. Yeah. What do we think overall about uh, this leg here in Florence between uh, we had to do our chiseling roadblock and then uh, we had to decide between uh, the fashion or uh, the uh, go and run errands task? Yeah, I haven't heard this much about chisel since I covered Survivor Redemption Island on the Survivor Historians. Uh, I mean, look, here's the thing. I, I talk, We talked about this last week. I'll again say... We only saw two tasks this episode. That kind of sucks. 
I do feel like in this day and age, uh, when it comes to these types of shows like Survivor, like An Amazing Race, your expectations kind of have to reach a certain watermark of like, for budgetary reasons, for new era reasons, whatever you want, there are certain things that just are not going to happen or are not going to come back. And I do feel like for whatever reason, Amazing Race US just hasn't really, especially now that they've gotten the handle on the COVID stuff, going back to the days of, okay, five to six tasks in a lake, like something like Amazing Race Canada can do. It's It might be just as bare bones as a detour and a roadblock. So it, it was kind of sucky to see it be so paltry. I guess the teams were much like a plate of cured meats with Tuscan soup on the side with biscotti trying to make a meal out of it. Uh, but I think it's just a matter of just tempering your expectations that this is sort of what they do. I will say the tasks themselves for me, are kind of stepping back into the pre-COVID Amazing Race 33 stuff of us being like, okay, that's it. This is the type of stuff that they're doing. So I wouldn't say any of these tasks are wowing me in particular, including in this episode. Though I did like the sort of uh, rug pull stuff that happened with the roadblock. I thought that was fun overall. Yeah, I, I really like the chisel task. Uh, I like that there, there was like an element of freak out that was involved. And then you kind of had to be like uh, every single person that came through that we saw have this reaction was like, I can't do that. This is this is like you want me to chisel that, and then it was sort of like a little bit of like a tra- like okay, just go and like uh, like hammer around for a little bit, and eventually you're gonna get there. It was such a troll. It was a masterful <laughs> troll. Yes, and even I, you can tell it was an effective troll because you saw how Dom reacted to it. Mm-hmm. Like she yeah. could not be dissuaded from the idea that she was gonna have to make that sculpture. Yeah. What I love about it though is that. Everyone was also subsequently in on the troll. You know, you didn't have somebody be like, don't worry. You just have to start hitting at the block, uh, which, you know, we can certainly talk about maybe some collusion starting to happen, which was certainly a theme on CBS reality TV last night or lack thereof. I kind of love that everyone kept on going with the bit, right? That like people will run and be like, oh, my God, did you sculpt that? They're like, yep, this is a (laughs) hidden skill. You don't know us that well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Little did you know that we all came from just from sculpting class right before we went on the race. Yeah. When Dom says, hey, I we need to take a four hour penalty. I can't do this. This is not what I do. This is not my thing. And then ultimately, uh, like nobody came over and and, like the other teams weren't like, Dom, 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 don't don't worry. Here, let me show you like and I don't know if you weren't allowed to do anything like that, but I'm surprised that not one other team was like, hey, no, 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 just, just like get the hammer. Well, apparently it was very hard on the arms. Mm-hmm. So they were concentrating on like the physicality of the task and not able to really contribute much in the way of emotional support at the time. Yes. And not to mention, listen, uh, it, that's a guaranteed last place, right? Especially if they take the penalties. So mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to shut my mouth, let Dom start chiseling her own hole uh, and then be able to to try to dig her way out of it. So I, I think and, and makes sense, given just like the independent nature of the race uh, or I don't know, maybe we'll find out soon in our interviews that like maybe it was a rule that they were not allowed to talk to the other players that were sculpting alongside them. I would not be surprised if there is a rule in place now that says you cannot try to goad the other teams into quitting the task. Why mm. did that happen recently where uh, somebody goaded somebody into quitting the task? Well, I'm saying it doesn't happen very often. Like we don't get any quits like they are. They are basically, I can't even remember the last time we saw someone quit a task. Mm-hmm. 
Amazing Race US is very committed to nobody ever quitting a task ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you compare it to like Amazing Race Australia that let a team quit a task and then gave them a 15 minute penalty for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, literal it. definition of slap on the wrist. I know it was. Uh, well, the, the great thing was, and I, I encourage you to like to go back and watch this episode if you can, if you have access to it there, there's a team that quits a task. They give them a 30 minute penalty. They check in at the map first and it's so close that the team ends up getting knocked down to the very bottom. And it was great television. And I wasn't mad at the 30 minute penalty anymore, but the strategic penalty aspect of Amazing Race is not something that U.S. wants to mess with ever. So I would guess, you know, there are rules. You can't talk to your partner while they're doing the robot roadblock, except to say, like, you're doing a good job. Keep going. You can't give them advice. I would guess you're not allowed to trash talk the other teams in a way that would convince them to quit. And even if it's not an official rule, it's kind of an unspoken one at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you think after the whole water slide incident with the uh, the globe trotters that they yeah. stopped, stopped bullying other team members? <laughs> I think bullying is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everywhere, not just on the Amazing Race. Let's talk a little bit about the detour. Also, uh, you had the chance to. Uh, what is it? Who has an eye for fashion, and then uh, who uh, has a a, a window a window into something? What was it called? Uh, I believe it was window of opportunity. Window of opportunity. Interesting, yeah. right? Because I uh, we sometimes like to do the rhyming stuff usually with the detours here, and I think what they did this with the last episode as well, right? They have gone with just more so general idioms to mm-hmm. use. Uh, I, I, it's like both good and bad. Like I sort of miss the kitschiness of them trying to fit a square peg into a round hole out a small window of uh, trying to make rhymes happen. But I also don't, I like them sort of going in a different direction and just throwing out random phrases in there. I like eye for fashion versus window of opportunity. It's better than when they give up completely and just call it this or that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, that's the bar is set in hell in Dante's Inferno, if you will. Uh, and this is certainly a few levels above that. Mm-hmm. Okay. To me, to my untrained eye, I felt like that window of opportunity seemed like the much easier task, like going back to last week of, you know, uh, move the cheese or uh, what, what was the other one that they had to do last uh, week? The, the bones, memorize the, bone. the, the skeleton. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, the human anatomy. Uh, I feel like that the um, go and uh, get the three things seemed very easy. Could you get through this entire amazing race only doing tasks that are go get a thing and bring it to another thing? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, though, because I think the two tasks were more similar than they seemed on the outset, right? Both times you were visiting three locations. You were doing something at each location. Then you were meeting in two places that were right next to each other and finishing off a task. Uh, I think I for Fashion was just a little bit different in that you had a sort of a final quiz at the end of it, as opposed to Window of Opportunity, which was just dropping it off. So, yeah, for as much as we talked last week, right, about, okay, you do the brute physical one with navigation, or you do the one that's brainier, but you have to sit still and probably have to, to do it multiple times. This one actually seemed relatively similar in terms of choice. It was just a matter of more memorization or just, again, navigation, putting your head down and working your way through. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's talk about our teams and how they ultimately finish. Uh, we opened the show talking about Dom and Rich, but uh, this they gave us such a rich experience uh, all through this episode. It was, you know, it was their still their third year anniversary. And what a, what a day it was for Dom and Rich. And I, I really from the opening of the episode when they're driving and I have to say, like, uh, I guess credit to Rich because it seemed like they got there, but they have a back and forth about that. He's driving the car just seemingly off of vibes. That's I, I feel like vibes are not something you're supposed to use as a navigational mm-hmm. aid. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, in, in this uh, day and age and with a lot of reality TV characters we've seen right about the more metaphysical manifest your destiny uh, manifest destiny was a thing mm-hmm. in terms of navigation, I suppose. That's true. And, and founding new land. So I love it, though, uh, because I'm just so intrigued to talk to this team about navigation. Last week, we got the note right of Dom being unable to read a map. And so Rich is like, yeah, I'm driving and I'm navigating yes. at the same time. And so he's just like, he too was like, F navigation. I'm just going to use my own like divination rod inside my head to find water. Yeah. And I loved it that Dom was the one who was incredulous. She's like, okay, so you just feel that this is the way. Yeah. He's like, and I, I need you to trust me because I really, I have a sense. This is the way we're supposed to go. And, and she's like, okay, all right. But they did that get was- there. Eventually. I was waiting for someone and they must have given them directions. Uh, but I was waiting for someone to be like, where is Florence? All I see are signs for this Firenze place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they all seemed to know that it had a local name. Yeah. I, it, I, this feels like almost like a callback to those 60s stand-up routines, right? Of like, the men don't want to ask for directions. <laughs> they just know where they're going. That's the vibe I got from what Rich was doing. And yeah, yeah to your point, Rob, I liked Dom being like, the rare straight person in this, whereas I think she more so has had the Murphy energy, right? And Rich has been more of like the straight man to it. I like Dom now saying, okay, so you're just kind of like going with the flow mm-hmm. here, waiting to see if you could like, we're not just, you know, having a day at the Duomo. We're, we're in a race here trying to escape last place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Rich kind of puts Dom in, in a tough spot where it's like, he basically says like, hey, like uh, this is, I need this from you right now. You have to go along with this. This is what I need. And, and you it's hard. You can't really push back against that. It's like, okay, it's all on you. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if he's going to be that strident about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, fine. But they did get there. So um, if there was any other sort of like issue, uh, we didn't see it. They get to the roadblock and okay. Instantly Dom says, all right, I got this. Okay. Who wants a chiseled body again? Now Dom, uh, that I believe she is the one that uh, runs a gym. So mm-hmm. maybe the, ta- uh, you know, who wants a chiseled body is like, okay, this is something physical. Uh, but then she gets out there and then instantly is like, mm, no, no. <laughs> I, I will give it to the producers that if they took, look, took a look at these two roadblocks, right, between putting together the gold Ducati and this one, I'm glad this was the second one because I think a larger theme with a couple of these teams was exhaustion. Mm-hmm. We heard several times over the course of this mega leg how people were saying how tired they were by the end of it. I think several people got mentally defeated, and I think Dom was one of them, surprisingly so, again, for being so motivational, incredibly demotivated of like, this is not my thing. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly boxing herself in. I suppose, uh, which again was, was an interesting beat and then led to a lot of drama as to, you know, Rich, which I really give Rich credit to of like, listen, if we take the penalty, we're done at this moment. Yeah. Just pretend you're Michelangelo for like 15 minutes and see what happens. Yeah. Because just these four hour penalties, like I'm pretty sure like in the way that the Amazing Race is structured now, like that's a death sentence. Yeah. Yeah. There, There's they are making every effort to make sure nobody quits anything ever, mm-hmm. yeah. which we're put a pin in that. We're going to come back to it. I mean, going back to the first leg, Asta and Nina said that the first leg of the amazing race was like three and a half hours. So you take a four hour <laughs> penalty. Like it's basically, all right, you're just instantly on the spot. Phil should just come and eliminate you. I mean, on That'd the other hand, on the other hand, yes, people, it was, People were out there much longer today because yeah. it was the middle of the afternoon when they started and it was nighttime by the time they checked in. But it was the mega, did the mega leg all happen in one day? Oh, definitely. So, yeah. So I mean, you, like, you, like you said, Rich and Dub started the leg by saying it was their third anniversary. They ended it by saying it was still their third anniversary. Yeah, so, so. I, I think that the mega leg started in the morning and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe this is like, okay, maybe there's a reason why uh, Sharik was so tired of that, you know, that. It was basically like, I think they were just racing all day. Uh, they filmed two episodes of The Amazing Race in one day. I don't know. Boo freaking who. They do like eight tasks in an episode <laughs> of Amazing Race Canada. Okay. All right. So um, the penalty is not an option. I think that Rich has a good approach here. Of, okay. Can you go just, just try it for 15 minutes? For 15 minutes, can you go and pretend you're going to do this. Like, I guess, I guess I could do it for 15 minutes. Uh, and in that 15 minutes, that is when she realizes, oh, oh, the thing is inside. I believe the direct quote was, ain't that a bitch? <laughs> hmm Yeah. And Jess, I, and I feel like uh, my kids have done stuff like this where it's like, uh, that had, has George ever done anything with like, uh, like, okay, oh, it's like a fossil kit? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, That's we got a Minecraft is. thing. Yeah. And it came with like a little Minecraft pickaxe and it made the biggest mess. Oh, I get I so mad. I hate those things. I get so mad. I'm like, I hate anything. Uh, this is like right up there with slime for me. And like, my kids like want to do oh. this in the house. Like, oh, we are a slime free household. Yes. Yes. Come on. Get out of here. 
But uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the kids, I think, probably would have been uh, very into this, uh, unlike Dom. Uh, And so she's she's working along here, but it's still a struggle for Dom because as uh, everybody else is going through it, um, I'm just not good at this. Uh, She's having a lot of trouble. Mike, there was a lot of times where people had to then like do some sort of uh, renovations after they got done uh, chiseling. Yeah, it was a little bit like a sixth grade project, right? Of like, oh, yeah, my statue of Zeus isn't looking great. Let me bump this up from a B plus to an A minus by taking my finger and dabbing it in the, the little plaster of Paris and just like smoothing it out. I think uh, Derek X put it best when he said, Claire, I'm not going to lie. He's got some bullet holes in him. <laughs> this just reminds me of that opening scene of the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also like uh, sh- uh, sh- uh, I think it was Sharik, right? Does a little bit of like the Sphinx's nose and takes off the forehead of the guy yes. at one point. Yes, yes, yes. okay. And uh, yeah, very, it's very important just to make sure everything is going back in the right direction that it was supposed to be. Yeah, don't stick it on upside down. Don't you definitely don't do that. All right, I'll admit it. I stuck his forehead on upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, it was hard. Sometimes like you made too big of a hole. Other times there were times like uh, you you got to clean this out more. You got to like uh, clean out like uh, the crevices uh, to get the stuff out of there. And so Dom is getting emotional uh, during that. She's having her own internal challenge versus that we see sort of like the inverse of what happened on the Ducati challenge, where we saw that Rich went into meditation to try to send the vibes to Dom. This was a good Rich episode. Uh, I very much thought coming into this episode that Rich was sort of the, as Jess likes to say, and Gary. Um, (laughs) Okay, one person in the team is cast for their personality. The other one is just sort of there because the Amazing Race requires two teammates. That is a good one. uh, Rich definitely seems like, I think, the more low-key I mean, obviously, I think uh, even like Tony Vlachos might be low key (laughs) compared to the energy that Dom is bringing as an amazing race partner. But I thought this was a really fun episode in terms of like not only exploring and getting his vibes based navigation, but as you said, Rob, him being able to showcase a bit of like his own motivational energy here. You know, we've had the discussion a couple of weeks ago. Is Rex Ryan the most first famous person to be on the amazing race? But I feel like that D'Angelo Williams, uh, I think, uh, should have been in that conversation. I don't know. I I had heard of Rex Ryan before the race. Yeah, I guess. And like your metric for is somebody famous at football? Mm-hmm. Be have I heard of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's more famous, a coach or an NFL star? I guess is the is the well, question. who's more? It's, it's more so who's more famous, an NFL star or an NFL coach who then became a meme mm-hmm. uh, for the past ten years? That's which true. I think helps make it transcend that. That's true. Yeah, rating. and Rex Ryan is still on TV, uh, doing work for ESPN. So probably, probably, probably. Uh, more household recognition uh, than uh, D'Angelo Williams, uh, let alone Gary. <laughs> Are they still podcasting, Jess? Did we check in on D'Angelo and Gary? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to Google this right now. Yeah, I need to know. What was the name of their podcast? Cinnamon and Sugar. Cinnamon and Sugar. Did you re- look that up, Mike, or you remembered it? I just Googled it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, much like, you know, my favorite cereal ingredient. They are still and, podcasting. Yes. Yes. Never stop. Never stop, Gary. They're last episode, October 10th. Okay. What yeah, was but the I think topic? They're, I think they're, yeah, I don't think they're talking Amazing Race at all. I think uh, it's just all football. Oh, they're talking all football. Okay. All right. So. We oh, see- they have some questions about professional wrestling about it about a month ago. Okay. So. All right. Check in with, um, <laughs> with D'Angelo and Gary. And so. Um, 
Dom, she is struggling. Uh, eventually, she is going to uh, get through it. And so uh, they are one of the uh, last teams to leave there uh, after Dom has some emotional moments. I'm just going to say this is randomly tangential. I looked up the uh, the icon for the Cinnamon and Sugar podcast. It's D'Angelo, Gary, and some random man in a black cowboy hat who, from what I've been able to study, is not on the podcast. So they just included, I guess, the only photo that they have together that also includes this third miscellaneous person mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with the podcast whatsoever. Okay. The Jack Atkins of the Cinnamon and Sugar podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe they bring him in to maybe he was like their amazing race guy that they brought in for a, a portion of time. Mm -hmm. I was just talking about how it's terrible podcast practice not to have like a, a graphic logo and to just put a photo of yourself mm -hmm. as your as your podcast logo. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised that given how serious they are about this podcasting thing, they haven't had somebody design a logo for them. You go on Fiverr and do it. It's easy. OK. All right. Now, well, now I'm rethinking the whole Rob as a podcast thing, Jess. Is it just going to be a picture of like of like you with a random fan? <laughs> Maybe uh, well, I got to ask those guys how it's working. OK, so then Dom and Rich, they ultimately uh, get through it. They head off to uh, who has the eye for fashion. OK, yeah. And, and I think unfortunately in their death now here and we'll find out again, probably how close they were to Linton and Shariq. But they like Michael and Marcus, the first ones to attempt this detour. Uh, it's it's one of these things, right? I think, Jess, you talked about this last week of sometimes when it comes to the quiz, you don't exactly know what you're being quizzed about until you actually go through the quiz. Some people did not pay attention to the particular locations they were at and specifically the idea of you have to associate it with a landmark. And that's what happened with Rich and Dom is they didn't uh, they didn't take a look around them. Essentially, they were more so paying attention to the models. That when they were just showcased pictures to match up, they said, oh, we don't know where that is. And unfortunately, I think that sort of put the nail in the coffin, uh, the chisel, if you will, of mm -hmm. any chance they had of surviving this leg. It really surprised me that we didn't see anybody going back to look again. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're like maybe two or three blocks from every location. They could go back if they needed to. Yeah. But I think the time must have been so short that it was just like, we are better off doing every permutation of this until we know we're right. Yeah. You get the sense that, if they got it right, that maybe they could have gotten out in front of Linton and Shariq, especially when you see Linton and Shariq in the background while they're still trying to work it out. Yeah, it was it was very close. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't even have to ask them how close it was because we can see how close it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I really I was trying to manifest a ninth place finish for them so badly. I was sent I was meditating. I was sending them all of the vibes. Uh, ultimately, they end up last place on the mat. Uh, they check in at the mat. They're the last team to arrive. Uh, Phil says, hey, you know, because maybe it's very appropriate that you have a very hard day on your anniversary. A day, a day that tests you. Uh, boy, uh, Phil's really looking at the glass half full, Mike. It's appropriate that Shakespeare died on his birthday <laughs> because of how poetic it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I think really try to put a positive spin here. I mean, listen, considering what Phil just dealt with, with the previous team that checked in, he was just looking for any sort of hmm. sunny side. Ironically enough, when the sun was very far down. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, more on Dom and Rich uh, later on. We'll have the exit interview, but uh, bring them back when uh, we don't really love 
all-star amazing race seasons uh, historically. However, um, put them on something. Send them, put Dom and Rich on the challenge. Come oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no? You don't like I mean, that? They're, they're, they're ride or dies, uh, so I think they fit in well together. But considering how Dom reacts to, I mean, on the challenge, you would actually have to chisel a statue yes. out of a block of concrete. Uh, yes. And I think Dom may have some issues there. The love boat, anything. Get them back on TV. This has been a bad, a bad season for people with rainbow hair on CBS reality. Mm -hmm. I know. Yes. Uh, I think is that a death knell now? Uh, I mean, I know Erica broke the curse of the purple hair back in season 41 of Survivor, but I think the curse has reversed. Mm -hmm. OK, well, I hope that we get to see more from uh, Dom and Rich and uh, very much. I'm looking forward to hearing from them. OK. Let's talk about Linton and Sharik. This was not a great week for Linton and Sharik. They, they managed to avoid elimination, uh, but we had talked about how Linton had been doing all of the detours uh, so far or uh, all of the roadblocks so far in this uh, season of The Amazing Race. And we got to hear Sharik uh, explain why Sharik is dealing with anxiety. And so uh, that she uh, was waiting to sort of get her feet under her a little bit more before she started taking on the roadblocks. This was going to be the week where she was going to do it. I mean, you cannot predict how things are going to go for you once you're in the middle of the pressure cooker that is the amazing race. Yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want it to seem like we don't have the utmost sympathy for someone who finds out that the show takes a different toll on their mental health than what they had been expecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's also there's a certain element this week of this is what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. This is you knew it was going to be rough mm -hmm. and a situation where like every single person who comes out of this show says you have no idea how tough it is until you do it. I feel like your barometer for how, for what this is going to do to you emotionally, it should be, you know, the bar should be pretty high there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, what I will say is, yeah, to Jess's point, lots of precursors to this. Like, of course, my empathy is with Sharik uh, when you are just like pushed to your breaking point. She'll also vocalize later on, right? Like, her own mentality that she puts herself in of like, she sets high expectation for herself. If she doesn't meet them, she sort of such shuts down. And that's really tough to work your way out of, let alone on such a high stakes portion of the race. And I do commend her for ultimately not throwing in the towel and wanting to stay in, at least in the moment for her dad's sake. I do think, you know, her mentality, her mental health will be able to pick back up in future legs. However, Will I say that this was particularly fun to watch? No. No. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think, look, we have seen meltdowns on The Amazing Race before, uh, going all the way back to season three with Flo, or of course, Rachel Riley's infamous The Amazing Race is supposed to be fun and good. But I'll admit, like, it, it was entertaining to watch Rachel meltdown. Mm -hmm. I just attributed that quote, like, it, it was pretty fun to watch sort of the, the histrionics happen. This wasn't particularly fun. I think just because Sharik was such a downer at the time. You think almost like they ADR'd the same line of her saying, I want to go home over and over and over again. But it truly does seem like mm -hmm. no matter what her dad was saying to her, you pull the string on the Sharik doll and that was the response. Yeah. Um, and as a parent, I do want to say Linton had so much patience. I would not. I would, if I was running the Amazing Race with my, with my child, 
And uh, they were saying some of those things to me. I, I would not have. Okay, come on, just drink some water. You'll be fine. I, I, I got I would have yeah. been upset. I got to show this episode to my kid because mm-hmm. he's very gung ho that in twelve years we are going to go on the Amazing Race together. And I, I need to show him that you know you can't just go home when you feel like it because it mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't make for good television. But yeah. yeah, to Mike's point, there are certainly racers we have had on this show where that's just the way they are all the time. Mm-hmm. And when we know that's just how they process things, like I think even Dom was kind of like this to an extent, but Very you have so. your, your Haley's or your Brooks where they're just at that point all the time, but they're still running the race and they're still doing the tasks. That's okay to watch. I feel like that's not, you know, that's, I'm not necessarily worried for their, for them personally. Mm-hmm. Whereas this really felt more like she was checking out for real. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't just like sobbing her way through the challenges and getting it done. She was literally ready to be done with the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I'm no, we will talk more about them at the mat, but you know, I was kind of disappointed that they continued on because I feel like, okay, well, maybe, okay, so maybe this was going to be, all right, sort of like, we'll have the redemption story, but like, if this is going to continue on, like, it does bum me out that Dom and Rich, who, uh, you know, uh, were certainly like, uh, there was no quit in them, you know, are gone now. And so I would hate to see it if Linton and Sharik end up sort of like uh, going and uh, basically tapping out in the next leg. I, if I may quibble, Rob, I think there is a little quit in Dom and Rich. I was going to say, <laughs> I didn't I'm have a, to tap on it. Okay. Of the, uh, All right, hey, that's gonna, fair. This is not, this not my bag, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It, it was, uh, you know, we're watching Rob, a uh, one team, not necessarily want to be there, but they are kept at the expense of another team i felt like i was back in 2003 watching jabaru on survivor of the amazon <laughs> yeah a, li- a little bit different I, I, and look and shauna did bounce back so uh i guess yeah. there is hope for uh Shariq to have a bounce back effort but in the actual uh roadblock i didn't feel like that she was struggling that much it seemed like that uh you know not until like right towards like uh the end when she was having some issues with uh having to like glue some pieces back on it seemed like it was going fine i mean uh she was not having as much difficulty along the way as somebody like dom was having i I don't know i think the tough thing was they came there what in fourth and i think she ultimately left in like seventh or eighth it's tough uh we saw that happen with claire both roadblocks that she's done so far right of like it's demoralizing to go in there in like a relatively early position and then just get lapped by other teams i and i agree with you that it didn't seem like Sharik was like doing anything wrong in particular i don't know if she was more slow going or if like her clipping off the forehead really did make that big of a difference but i think it was all about the mental right it was this fact that she set up and probably because linton had killed all three of those roadblocks so far i think she set up a lot of expectations for herself she didn't vocalize this but if i would read between the lines probably was worried about disappointing her dad as well and like not doing as well as he was doing on the roadblocks and so it just gave her this for lack of a better term defeatist attitude mm-hmm. of like okay i'm physically spent i'm mentally spent i don't feel good about myself why should i keep doing this I have a million props for anybody that runs the race with their parent, (laughs) because I feel like 
I could not go with one of my parents and be doing a roadblock and be conscious of their eyes being on me, mm-hmm. like evaluating how good I am at something. Like maybe that's just the particular parents I had, but I feel like this is all parents mm-hmm. and like I'll be the parent. I don't mind doing that to George, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I could not be the child in that scenario. Jess, I want to ask you about the judging here. Uh, I, I feel like, and not from the parents, uh, from the judges <laughs> of that. It seemed like that, you know, they started off with like, okay, uh, no good. But this was a a judge where that the judge started telling people ah, a little bit in there. You got to get that crack. Uh, this isn't on right. Um, do they sort of like uh, change, like as the day is going on, uh, are they getting like a little bit more like, okay, here's what you need to do to advance? It really seemed like that. And this is not as much Amazing Race US thing, but there are a lot of tasks, especially I think I noticed this a lot on Canada this past season where they would they had tasks where they would just tell you it's right or wrong and they wouldn't tell you anything about it. And then there were tasks where it's like you have to fix that, that and that before you can move on. And I think sometimes it is just a schedule thing Mm -hmm. where we didn't see him doing this much to the people at the beginning. Um, He just say, yeah, you need to do a little more on it. And then he's like, here, here and here. As the day went on, it might have been we only have this location for so many hours and these teams are not going to catch up. So, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of guidance isn't going to make a difference in the placement of the race. Mm-hmm. OK. All right. So Lynn and Sharik, uh, they are really like uh, going through the detour uh, and Sharik wants out. She says she's tired. She wants to uh, just go home. She doesn't want to be here anymore. Uh, Linton, again, trying to like, oh, hey, how about. What if you have some water? She's like, I don't want water, Dad. I'm the, I want to go home. Yeah, again, like all the props to Linton here, and ultimately Sharik for for staying. You know, she does vocalize. And I think Linton does as well, right? That like this was their dream. It would really suck as a super duper fan of the show to like go out in this type of fashion. But man, I feel like it's been a while since we've seen disapproving Dad Phil on the mm, mat yes. this feels my like favorite a, phil okay this does feel like a relic back during the days of the uh oy vey jessica and john stuff from season 22 let's with the listen Pass. in to phil on the mat uh after yes, we see uh, <laughs> linton and sharik check in okay uh here's phil nine as you stand here right now you have a choice mm-hmm. one is leave the race go home to new york you're done mm-hmm. the other is you keep on racing what do you want to do okay all right phil set it up you're going to keep racing or do you want to go home? Okay. What are, what are we doing? And Phil's looking for Phil. We're going to keep racing. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, need, you need the pop of energy, right? Like we've got no quit in us. We're going to keep it. You're going to see us in the finale. We're taking home the $1 million. We're down, but yeah. we're not out. Phil, we came on the race to do two things, chew gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> I used it to repair the plaster of Paris. (laughs) The forehead was falling off. We needed something. We were getting desperate. Okay. But okay. Shriek. What do you want to do? Do you want to keep racing? You know I want to keep racing. I love the amazing race. Shriek, you got to be more excited than that. Come on. My arms hurt so much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's got tired arms. Phil, yes. Have you ever chiseled anything? I have. Do not. Okay. <laughs> this is a woman who has not ever seen tough as nails. Okay. Do not trifle with Phil Kogan. We have learned this through twenty plus years of the Amazing Race, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, three years of tough as nails. Yes. Oh, I love 
Yeah. Yeah, Phil well, has the done co- it all, okay? This yeah, had pull- shades of Coach and Survivor token teens with the little bucket game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, un- unlike uh, Coach, Sharik could not raise her hand above her head to say I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Phil, uh, I would love to see what <laughs> Phil has chiseled. I mean, Phil he is, is chiseled. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Do it, I've lived it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you want to keep racing? Yeah, I'll keep racing with my father. You yes, want to keep Phil. racing? Yes, Phil. All right. <laughs> I can't give up on your dad right now. Your dad is here for you. Because she says, uh, and this is more of a visual, when he's like, you want to keep racing? And she's like, uh, I'll race with my dad. And Phil like gives her the, the eyebrow. Like, yes. Oh, come on. Come on. That's not a Phil eyebrow you want to get. Mm-hmm. He's going to turn this car around. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely the Gilly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But I also love that. Again, another uh, recurring thing in CBS reality last night, the host being regarded as like the, the fun sucking parent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, for Linton and Sharik, hopefully they can bounce back from this uh, as uh, they uh, will head to the next leg of the race. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, then we had a bunch of teams in the middle of the pack uh, that it was, um, you know, not as much airtime for uh, a couple of teams that had been, uh, you know, real standouts uh, in the first couple legs of the Amazing Race in Derek and Claire and Glenda and LaMamba. Glenda and LaMamba, they sort of had the, you know, all hell breaking loose leg in the first half of the mega leg, but kind of a quiet I guess bounce back. I mean, they started off the episode. That was the cliffhanger of will they be eliminated? No, they just kind of like uh, have just a pretty quiet eighth place finish. Ultimately, I was worried, like speaking of old school, amazing race. This was this was my fear that we saw so little of Glenda and Lumumba that everybody else, what they were doing was not going to matter at all. And we were just going to see them like trickle in at the very end or Phil have to go out and get them. Yeah, because that's like that's how little of them we saw for a while. Yeah, certainly uh, their quietest hour on The Amazing Race. Uh, we could say the same about Derek and Claire as well. But uh, they basically, they're dri- they're driving along. Glenda is like, uh, we're not in the right place. We're not in the right place. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. We're there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically the entire attitude for them was, uh, ironically enough, given the teams that finished below them, right? This idea of just keep a positive attitude and keep pushing through. I think it just was truly a, once they saw all the other teams at the roadblock, that was the invigoration they needed to say, oh yeah, we can still stay into this. And then they were just like competent at the rest of the task. Same thing with Derek and Claire, where they didn't hit as low of a low, but certainly fell a large number of places. And it wasn't like Derek necessarily made them bounce back with the roadblock performance, but at least didn't make them fall any lower. I think the big thing, which Phil indicates, right, is like Derek and Claire went from first to fourth to seventh, 
uh, that I think roadblocks seem to be their weakness at this point. Everything else they seem to be at least pretty okay at. Mm -hmm. uh, La Mamba had a funny moment uh, during the chiseling uh, about how he was inventing a technique uh, that uh, he has never done this before, but uh, he was figuring it out. So um, yeah, I think just very similarly, uh, two teams that had just had a, a ton of airtime just basically have just a perfectly cromulent week on the back half of the mega leg. Well, they can't all be bangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so hopefully for Derek and Claire, they're able to reverse the downward trajectory. Uh, Jess, is that normally indicative of a team uh, heading into elimination, uh, a downward trajectory? Or is it sort of like that they just had like a blip on the radar and we should expect them to be back at the top of the pack? I mean, it could be either, Rob. They could be, you know, they could have had like an early start and kind of fallen out of it. But you don't see teams like steadily decline, I mm -hmm. don't think, as much. Like it's usually a team that's in the front of the pack will have will hit one bad leg and bounce right back or they'll hit that one bad leg that knocks them out. Mm -hmm. OK, so I, I think we will see them come right back. All right. So. Let's talk about then another group. Uh, and really, it was uh, all the couples and, and, and Quentin and Maddie um, that they were basically like a uh, the middle of the pack, uh, basically finishing from uh, third place to sixth place. Uh, it was Aubrey and David in sixth, Quentin and Maddie in fifth. Uh, Louise and Michelle were fourth and Abby and Will were third. Uh, these teams were all sort of bunched up together. Uh, a bunch of them were sort of uh, working together on their own. The one team that didn't work with the pack was Abby and Will. They said, we came to run our own race. Uh, they were the team that finished in third. Yeah, that surprises me a little bit. Not to say that I, I'm unhappy about it, because, again, considering how something like the Mine 5 and Collusion was such a big, important narrative of a couple seasons ago. I can imagine from a production perspective, they're like, good, I'm glad you said that. Please, let's not make that happen again. We read the comments. But just from like a, a game perspective, I wouldn't refuse help or working together on The Amazing Race, because especially when you're in the middle of the pack, like, you know now there's at least one other team that's alongside you, as opposed to if you're by yourself, then there's a good chance you would have just Falling completely away and there's no chance to catch up. Doesn't end up working out here. And actually, Abby and Will end up passing the quartet, uh, partially, I think, because they were didn't need to take the time to like settle down, wait for each other, and keep going. But it's an interesting attitude to have. I would say as a racer, like be open to working together. Maybe don't be adamant about pursuing it, but like if it's working together to help navigate a detour, I see no qualms with it personally. Mm -hmm. Just uh, you mentioned uh, Luis is pretty funny uh, that he brought epic movie voice guy to the amazing race to describe the mega leg. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't not say mega leg in that voice. I, I mean, we demonstrated that the first time there was a mega leg. We couldn't quit, you know, dropping down to our to our chest voice to go oh, mega leg. The mega leg. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just got so many good consonants. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it begs to be boomed. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked Louise trying to listen. It was a long day. They're probably hangry. Another reason why Sharik was sort of in the mood that she was. I did appreciate him trying to eat the props from the detour. I'll give mm -hmm. him props for that. Yeah. I mean, it looked pretty this good. Was, yeah, they, they looked great. This was shades of uh, Brooke and Robbie, uh, oh, where we had yeah. Robbie kept stealing food from every detour uh, throughout the course of their race. Would they have to go back? 
I don't think they would have to go back. He would just get extra. Like there was one, they were in a, they were in Morocco and they were in a cart with a basket of apples. And he's like, mm. can I have one of these? And he'd take it. Yeah. Um, it is a good point that, yeah, if, if they delivered the stuff to the two diners, like, what? what happened to my charcuterie? Why'd you eat it all? Mm-hmm. Go back and get some more. Yeah. Um, just to go back to Linton and Sharik, uh, there was a moment when they are uh, delivering their stuff and, um, you know, they're talking about how, like, hey, if it's not right, we have to go back and, and do it. And Sharik's like, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this once. We're not going back for anything. That's it. Sharik was very close to sitting down alongside these diners, right? And being like, can I just, I'm just going to have some. We're just mm-hmm. going to, we're going to, I'm going to finish my race here eating mm-hmm. your, your Tuscan soup. Yeah, I need a break. Okay. Um, so the, uh, you know, basically uh, they all did pretty well through uh, the roadblock. Uh, you know, David and Aubrey had a little bit of trouble uh, finding the entrance to uh, the roadblock. But overall, uh, I feel like that the, the teams all uh, blew through the roadblock uh, without too uh, too much drama. Uh, and then we saw like the formation of uh, a little bit of an alliance. Uh, who's in the alliance? Uh, it's Quinn and Maddie and certainly uh, Luis and Michelle. Are David uh, and Aubrey also in the alliance? Are David and Aubrey also in the race? Because yes. they're still the team that are giving us nothing. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, yeah, it's Luis said it's Rojo y Azul, right? It's red, it's the red and blue team. So I don't know if this is going to continue into the next leg, but again, it's it's sort of like the any port in a storm. Hey, find a buddy. Oh, you're the closest one to me. Let me grab this team and say because from what it seems like we've been talking about with the teams, like they just have had barely any time to interact with each other. I guess the closest thing is doing these long roadblocks where people can just like chit chat, like we saw with Claire and Rex a couple of episodes ago, but. Outside of that, I just feel like teams aren't necessarily getting on with each other enough to form ironclad alliances. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Abby and Will, uh, they were the ones that got ahead. Uh, they ended up finishing in third place. Uh, we'll see if uh, we get more from them in the next couple of weeks. Then we talked about it a little bit. Uh, Emily and Molly and Marcus and Michael, the two teams uh, sort of like neck and neck at the top of the pack. And just it's uh, one of my new favorite storylines on this season is Emily and Molly, I think, are in Marcus and Michael's heads. I love it. They They're living rent free. Yep. Rent free. But I love this is also shades of classic amazing race when you have a team that cares deeply about winning the legs because usually the team just doesn't want to finish last and it's a nice surprise when they check in first but a team that gets disappointed whenever they don't take first place and has like made it their mission to scoop up as many of those leg prizes as possible that feels very old school to me as well mm-hmm. yeah I really like Marcus and Michael because again, I, I I really like that capacity as well. Jess, that like people are taking different things out of the race, but I don't think so far we've gone into like aggro hyper masculine territory either about it. Like they're really entertaining. I love Marcus talking about his description of the roadblock about how he had to like uh, chisel out uh, the chisel out the chest cavity and the toenails, the little midriff. So I think they're kind of goofy 
as yes. well, but they do have this very competitive streak to them. Yeah, I, I think the thing that really helps is uh, their sibling rivalry where it's not sort of like, and we've seen sort of like a bro team where it's sort of like, hey, we're awesome and everybody else uh, sucks and, and we're going to dominate the race. Um, there's a lot of like in, like infighting and sibling rivalry between Marcus and Michael uh, that keeps them sort of like a goofy, fun team that's easy to root for. Uh, and then I, I do just love that uh, they are, you know, because I feel like that they sense that they should be the front runners. Like uh, they, they feel like that mm-hmm. they're underperforming. And then the fact that Emily and Molly uh, have come in and they pass them. Uh, like, I think it's getting to them a little bit. Yeah, and, and they don't know each other. That's the thing. Like, not only were they, they were lapped, uh, and Emily and Molly vocalized this as well, right? Like they've driven internationally. They have all these experiential things and they're passed by like these two people that just met eight months ago. Uh, it's it's a really, really fun thing. And I, you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess. I know that Emily and Molly are certainly putting that idea out there of like, I think they were rattled when they saw us. <laughs> uh, I think even if that's one-sided and they Marcus and Michael didn't feel that way, I love them vocalizing that as well, right? Like it was a little bit of Emily and Molly, again, sort of like their very cool, calm nature being like, you're going to cry, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> And there's nothing I love more than a one-sided rivalry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Emily and Molly, uh, that uh, it's Molly that is doing the roadblock. There's no problem. She's the first to depart. And then we get both Emily and Molly and Marcus and Michael both doing the eye for fashion task. Now, I was surprised Marcus and Michael. Now, again, not to say that they don't have great fashion sense, but I kind of feel like in the same way we saw them sort of uh, do very well in the, uh, you know, who moved my cheese task that I feel like the. <laughs> Wait, is that like a, just like, I renamed like it. Ang- angry dad who moved my cheese. Mm, that's a famous book. It's a famous book, a uh, uh, business book. Um, and they did have to move the cheese around. And uh, for Marcus and Michael, I really was surprised. Like, I kind of felt like that they could have, uh, like, I think this is a team that's really built for the errands tasks. Uh, and uh, they go with the, who has an eye for fashion? Well, I think maybe they were just, maybe they don't know which one they're going to be better at. Like, mm-hmm. just because they did well on the who cut the cheese task, they're not going to necessarily they don't want to just say that's our thing and we're going to do that forever. Yes. I guess also um, they were called eye for fashion or window of opportunity. That's a little uh, opaque. Yeah. You could use a little more transparency there. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly with a window. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot depends on, we didn't see what the small description is that they got. Mm-hmm. Like it could have implied that there was a lot more to that task. Yeah. I just think that if the guys chose the other side of the detour, I think there's a much better chance they're in first place at the end of this leg. Right. Because, again, they're one of the couples that failed with, oh, oh, we were supposed to look at like the old buildings around us. Okay, And they didn't go back, but certainly it took them a couple tries, whereas Emily and Molly for the second detour in a row end up acing it on the very first try, partially because uh, Molly, who I think was the star of this episode. And that's the interesting thing as well. Like, it's tough to tell them apart, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Molly is the one with the headband. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the one descriptor. But like Emily has killed the previous stuff. And then she was the, the star of her team for the legs. And this was Molly's time to shine. Well, ironically, um, our shortcoming of being able to tell them apart is actually uh, the inverse of their strength, which is attention to detail. <laughs> exactly. Does not carry over to podcasters. But mm-hmm. look what ends up showing its face again. What do Emily and Molly win? 
for coming in first place. I was so pissed that okay, it's like, all right, you just won the mega leg. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this has got to be like a mega prize because it's, it's a mega leg. Uh, you'll win Expedia points. More Expedia points. It's as bad as Marshall's gift cards. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's I think it's going to become just to your point, the Marshall's gift card of the Amazing Race US. I think it's either going to be this or cash from here on out. That's my whole proclamation. Yeah. Do you think there that anybody's actually going to do these tasks, these like this whole like bespoke thing that they put together for them? It's like you could use these points to do all this stuff in Australia. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, is anybody actually going to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess so. So basically, is Expedia points, uh, should we be just looking at it as sort of like a gift certificate to Expedia? I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. Like you could use it. You could just as easily use it to fly all your family members out for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. okay. So I'm glad Amazing Race prices are on the same level as like what you get for a corporate stocking stuffer uh, for the Yankee swap annually. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're going to go for their birthday trip, uh, Emily and Molly. So uh, kudos to them on their first place finish. And we'll see uh, if this is a harbinger of uh, more first place finishes to come for the surprising Emily and molly uh next week jess um we have spent two straight seasons completely in europe i was uh surprised to see that we are headed to jordan that's a first for amazing race and i'm mm -hmm. super excited because jordan's on my bucket list i would love to go to petra um so i'm always very excited uh petra for those of you who don't know it is um it's the indiana jones and the last crusade temple which is a real place. It's not wherever they said it was. It's in Jordan, but, mm -hmm. and it's bigger than just that one big pink building. There's a whole complex there. So I'm excited to see what they do with it and um, excited to see what else Jordan has to offer. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. You think a roadblock will be fine? The, the Holy Grail amongst an entire yeah. thing. Of cups. Who is a penitent man? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, who can find the carpenter's cup? But I, I always love desert legs uh, going all the way back to when they went to Tunisia back in Amazing Race season one. And when they go to Oman and uh, Dubai and everything like that, I just love the change in scenery. Right. That's what the Amazing Race is all about. Uh, obviously, Egypt, like uh, especially Amazing Race five, one of my favorite seasons. Like I love going from the cold tundras of Russia to, you know, the hot deserts of Egypt, one leg right after the other. It should be about exploring the world now, obviously, due to circumstances. They couldn't do that completely, but I'm happy we're getting at least a little bit of change in environment. And also looks like we're dealing with uh, some fun stuff in uh, handling animals, which is, of course, always a fun thing to do on The Amazing Race. So, yeah, we're spending a couple of uh, episodes in Jordan, which should be very exciting. I don't know. I, I know that I, we're probably due for, like, I would say maybe one more either mega leg or a to be continued thing. I'm imagining it's not happening next week. So I think we're going to get another elimination happening. but. I'm excited for the change of scenery. Okay. All right. Anything else that we want to make sure we address here uh, on the back half of the mega leg? Um, from a travel perspective, Florence is just a gorgeous city. Mm -hmm. And I, I was there in college, but this is making me want to go back very badly. Mm -hmm. It just looks wonderful. It pops on the screen. Interesting. Just realized this. We went to Florence. And Sharik was acting a lot like Flo from season mm. three. Mm. Okay. Maybe it just brings it out of you. Yeah. All right. Flo vibes. 
Well, we are four episodes into The Amazing Race. We're about at the one-third mark of the season, but uh, a fun season of uh, The Amazing Race so far. So uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, Jess, you and I had the pleasure of getting to uh, talk about the first week of The Mole over as I've been so honored to be a part of the Mole Patrol podcast this season. Well, we've been happy to have you, Rob. It's been a lot of fun. I can't wait to dig into the next set of episodes. Dig in. That was unintentional. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can check that out on robinswebsite.com uh, or uh, find the Mole Patrol podcast feed. Uh, just what else is coming up for you? Uh, well, over on Post Show Recaps, we're talking about The Walking Dead. It's in its final season, allegedly, but they're just going to spin it off into a bunch of new of sure. new stuff. So they're not really treating it like a final season. But we had a pretty good episode this week, talked about it. Um, that should be hitting your feeds right after it airs on AMC. Um, so that's very fun. Josh Wiggler and Chappelle and AJ Mass and I get together every week to discuss all things zombie. Okay. All right. Um, great job here today. Once again, Jess, Mike, what's coming up for you? Yeah. So from reality TV perspective, as we spoke about, I'll also be speaking with Rich and Dom. Very excited about that. Uh, listen, I- I'm happy you put the information out there last week, Rob, but I am kind of happy that the Love Boat premiere spoilers were debunked because uh, it's always tough when like extracurricular stuff ends up spoiling what ends up happening. So I'm glad that it was just more of a proximity thing than anything. Yeah, that. Maybe it's just uh, that they're in CBS's good graces. So I'm encouraged that uh, CBS is inviting them to things because that means that maybe they're going to be back on another show. Yeah, they could be the new uh, Jerry and Rebecca O'Connell hosting maybe season two of The Real Love Boat. (laughs) Or The Talk. Oh, that could be it as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Very excited to talk with them. We'll be doing that later today. Also going to be doing a Survivor Exit interview, which will be a bit delayed uh, due to scheduling issues. That's actually going to be coming out on Friday for all of us. But be sure to uh, check that out uh, after the shocking outcome of episode four. I'm sure people have a lot of questions as to what happened. I know I certainly do. The B&B, we had uh, Jordan, not Petra, Kalish on this past week for a very fun edition. And then this upcoming week, uh, Leon and I are going to be talking with Gabby Pascuzzi about episode four of Survivor, which was my favorite episode so far. So I'm very so Yeah, far, I enjoyed so it I'm too. Very yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a really fun one. There was a lot of drama. I would say uh, lots of intertribal stuff, which I'm always game for. So be sure to check all of that out. Uh, from a Big Brother perspective, I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, Joseph Abdin, a new fan favorite outside of the house. Had a really great conversation. Uh, a lot of stuff was more so focused on stuff outside of the game because you have people like the very talented Taryn Armstrong copiously pour through stuff that happened in the house. We talked more so about how he's been receiving and perceiving everything uh, and namely his representation when it came to both from the Middle Eastern communities and uh, also how people with ADHD have reached out to him as well, given, you know, his own uh, lifelong living with uh, with it. So really great interview there. Post show recaps. Fantasy stuff is starting to come to a conclusion. Uh, This coming week is going to be the finale of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, covering that with DM Philly. Had a lot of fun covering the anti-penultimate episode, hopefully the final time jump of House of the Dragon season one. Did a special podcast there with DJ LaBelle Klein and Frail Mary. And then this coming week, Grace is going to be back, but we're going to be joined by Jason Reed oh. uh, as well to break down the penultimate episode there. And then Talking Heroes with Josh Wakeler too. So lots of things happening in both writing and podcast form and excited to see uh, where it takes us both to Jordan and beyond next week. 
All right. And of course, uh, I rounded out the CBS reality trifecta last night. Got the chance to also get back together with the real love boat crew. Uh, Jenny Autumn, Kirsten McInnes and I talked about episode two, a wild finish to the real love boat episode number two. So um, even if you're not watching the show, very fun recap of uh, what in the world is going on there on the real love boat as uh, again, uh, I guess not too far from Florence. They're cruising around the Mediterranean on the real love boat. So check that out all at Rob You can subscribe to all of our podcast feeds at Rob slash subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.